Well, it's so good to be with you this morning. Missed you last week. Me and Dad were in Wyoming, having a great time with those folks. It's just an amazing place. It's so good to be in a place that has been that they have cared for and ushered in the presence of God and value having a place for God to show up and do what he wants to do. So it's so good to be with them in Labarge, Wyoming. Which, if you don't know where that is, you probably don't. It's a town of 350 people. But people come from all over the nation to gather there to be in the presence of God. It was so good. But and Michelle and Marguerite hit it out of the park last week, so... Thank you guys. You're amazing. It was so good. It's so amazing. We have such an amazing team here. It's so easy to be gone. And so thank you, team, for not just holding it down, but advancing and going for it. And for you guys, it's, it's, I, I don't like being gone. Missed you guys. And the, missed the worship. Oh, my gosh. So good be back in the house and worship. Um, yeah. Well, next week, we, um, me and dad, well, actually, mainly dad and myself wrote, um, we have decided out of the seven decisions that we've been preaching on. So next week, we'll have a book signing, and it'll be available for you guys next week. It's a lot of fun. This is my first book that I Got to collaborate on, so so it's it's great when somebody can take your notes and do some writing for you because <clears throat> that is not my strong suit. So so next week, don't want to miss that. We'll do a book signing afterwards. Be a lot of fun. All right, I'm going to read you a proverb today. I've started reading proverbs every day. You know they correlate with the dates. It's great. There's 31 chapters of Proverbs, one for each day. So it's easy. You don't have to figure out where you left off. It's whatever the date is. So this is one from today. This is uh, <clears throat> Proverbs 21, verse 3. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Obedience. Yeah, Proverbs is not a fun book to read, but it does challenge you and, and just brings you into more of him, because it challenges those areas in your life that need challenging. So I really encourage you to do that. It's a great way to start your day, and it doesn't take very long. All right. Well, let's get into it. So how many of you had those moments where you're hungry, but you don't know what you're hungry for? You know, and it always happens when you're driving in the car with your wife and you ask, hey, what do you want to eat? And an hour later, you're still trying to figure out what you're going to eat because you don't know what you're really hungry for, right? And then, so kind of three things happen. You finally figure it out, and you go, and you're completely dissatisfied with what you got, right? Because you can't figure it out. You're like, oh, that wasn't it. So unsatisfying. 
It is so annoying. And then there's times where you know what you want, what you're hungry for. And you go and you have it and it's completely satisfying. You're like, oh, this was better than I expected it to be. But it all comes down to what are you hungry for? So today the title of the message is, what are you hungry for? Thought it would be easy. So if you got your Bibles, turn to John 6, verse 50, or chapter 50, yeah, sorry, chapter 6, verse 53. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. So, Holy Spirit, we just ask right now that you open our hearts to what you're saying today. That we hear your words, that we hear your voice today as you speak to us. So, we open our lives, we open our hearts to you this morning and give you full access to us today. So I'm going to talk about two parallel stories this morning that have very different outcomes. And it's so good to have our youth in with us, sitting in their section back there. Their heads actually popped up. They're somewhat listening. It's amazing, but it's so good to have you guys in with us. Love you guys. You are amazing. So two stories we're going to talk about. First... You know, Jesus has a crowd of people. There was 5,000 men, so there was probably anywhere from 1,000 or 10,000 to 15,000 people there, if you counted everybody that was there. They're hungry. The disciples come to them. Hey, you need to send them away because they're hungry. And Jesus said, well, what do we have? So he gives them what, he, what they have, a few loaves, some fishes, right? You guys know this story? Yeah. Jesus gives thanks, <clears throat> tells them, give it out, and they have food left over. All right, you guys following, you know, know what I'm talking about? So here is what <clears throat> the reaction of the people was afterwards. This is uh, John 6, verse 14. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Okay. So they see him as a prophet. And then it says Jesus withdraws. Later that night, the disciples get in a boat. They head across the lake. And they're struggling. It says it's taken them four. They're rowing for four to five hours because there's a storm. And then comes Jesus just skipping along the water, just walking on, freaks them out. They finally realize it's Jesus. He gets into the boat, and they're instantly on the other shoreline. Wouldn't you love Jesus just to come and finish something for you that's hard right away? But they get to the other side, and the next day, the crowd's trying to find Jesus. This group that had just been fed, so they're trying to find Phoenix. They finally realize he probably went to the other side because the boat's missing. So they get in boats. They go to the other side. And then they finally find Jesus, and Jesus asks them this question. This is verse 25. 
When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food and spoil, that spoils, but food that endures eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on, for on him God the Father has placed the seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. See, they were wanting Jesus to fill their bellies again. They came after him because they wanted food. Because they wanted another meal. They didn't know who they really had with them. And they just wanted their bellies filled. But Jesus was trying to give them the bread of life. He was trying to give them himself. And they weren't quite getting it. This is verse 41. It says, at this the Jews... There began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can we now say, I come down from heaven? See, when he fed them food, they said, oh, this must be the prophet. And when they found him, Jesus said, no, it's not about the food I gave you. It's about me. That the father was the one that gave manna. And he actually said, my father is the one that gave the manna. He's declaring who he is. And they don't like it. So now they've gone from, oh, this is the great prophet, to who the hell are you? (laughs) Who do you think you are? You're Jesus. We know where you came from. We know your parents. So what do, you, what do you think you're doing? We want food. Feed us. So Jesus responds. He doubles down on it. Verse 48. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then, Jesus, the, Jew, then the Jews 
began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And then we're back to where we started this morning. What are you hungry for? Verse 53. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh, the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. See, Jesus is inviting them in to an encounter with him. He's saying it's not about real food. It's about eating me. It's about eating and drinking of me, and you'll have life. He's inviting them into an eternal communion with him. He's using his body and his blood, which we know the rest of the story he sheds for us. They didn't know that. Hadn't happened yet. They don't know what communion is. So this is completely foreign to them. But he's saying, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood if you want to have eternal life. The requirement is that you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. You have to become intimate with him. Because he says, I'll remain in, remains in me and I in them. See, he's inviting us into an intimate place. That it's so intimate that you're eating his flesh and drinking his blood. I don't know how much more intimate you can be with somebody if you're gnawing on their arm. Right? Because they had the mindset of actual physical food. So they're thinking, oh, I have to go take a bite of this man. I have to actually eat his flesh and drink his blood. Like, what, what's going on? And, and this is how they respond in verse 60. It says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And it says that many of his followers left on that day. Because he said, it's not about physical food. It's about me. I'm the one. I am the son of God. I am the Messiah that you've been looking for. But it requires you to eat my flesh and drink my blood. They didn't like it, so they left. Because it was too hard. It cost them too much to stay with Jesus. They basically said, this is not what we're hungry for. We're not hungry for you. We're hungry for a different Messiah. So let's look at another encounter that Jesus had with somebody that he kind of talked about the same thing. And this is going to be in John 4. Because Jesus is traveling with his disciples through Samaria. He gets to a well. He sends his disciples off to get food. And he encounters a woman there. And 
he asked her for a drink. And she's, her basic response is, how can you ask me for a drink? Jews and Samaritans don't interact with each other. Right? You guys remember this story? Woman at the well. And this is Jesus' response to her. And this is <clears throat> verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I don't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Kind of sounds familiar. Jesus is kind of talking about the same thing. And she's like, well, I, I want the water that I don't have to come back here again. She's still in the realm of physical water, right? So same kind of mindset as the 5,000. But Jesus is inviting her to drink of him. But her response is very similar to the 5,000. She doesn't fully understand what's going on yet. So Jesus says, tells her to go get her husband. And we all know she's like, I don't have one. And Jesus is like, you're right. You've had five. And the person you're living with now isn't your husband. And you said rightly. You answered me correctly. So he, he reads her mail, right? Word of knowledge reads his mail. Reads her mail. And this is, this is her response. Verse 19, Sir, the, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. So she's coming to the same conclusion that the 5,000 did. Right? They saw him as a prophet. So did she. But then he starts talk. they start have a dialogue about worship. She's like, you know, the Jews say we got to worship here. Samaritans say we got to worship here. Which one is it? And Jesus answers it. And then she makes this statement, verse 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So Jesus reveals himself, say he's the Messiah. He's the Christ. Same thing he did with the 5,000. Said, I, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Son of God. Come eat from me. Come drink from me. So at, they're at the same crossroads. But this is her response. Verse 28. Then leaving her water jar... The woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. See, she was hungry for something real. She went back to the town and said, Hey, 
this could be the one. She didn't get caught up on what he was talking about. She didn't get caught up on having to drink of him. See, she wasn't looking for a Messiah to change something for her. Her external circumstances. Because he already said, hey, you've had five husbands. And you're not living with, the person you live with isn't. And then he doesn't address it again. She doesn't address it again. She wasn't looking for the Messiah to fix her living situation. But something inside of her burned. For the real thing. And so she goes back to the town and says, oh, this could be the one. Come. Come to the living water. So she goes back, and this is what it says in verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we are no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. See, revival breaks out because they recognized he was the Messiah. And because they were hungry for the Messiah, the real one, they convinced him to stay for two days. He wasn't planning on being there. But because of their hunger, he stayed. Jesus stayed where they were hungry. See, the 5,000 left because they didn't want that version of the Messiah. They didn't want the real Messiah. But this place that he wasn't supposed to be at, with a people that were not supposed to experience the presence of God, was able, because of their hunger, keep the Messiah there for two extra days. He's looking for people in places that are hungry. Because they weren't looking for the Messiah to feed their bellies or do what they wanted him to do. They just wanted the living water and were willing to do whatever it took to embrace it. So why couldn't the 5,000 embrace him as the Messiah? Why couldn't all these people embrace him like the Samaritans did? You got to go back to chapter 6, verse 14. It says, after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. See, they wanted to make him king. They saw him as a prophet. And if you know Israel's history, the judges would come or the prophets would come and deal with the armies that were invading them or who were persecuting them or ruling over them. 
And they wanted a prophet to come, to come and deal with Rome. They wanted the Messiah to come and deal with their political problems. They wanted a Messiah to come and deal with the governmental problems. They wanted a Messiah to come and fight for their religious freedoms. They wanted a Messiah to make life comfortable and easy. They were looking for a Messiah that would come to benefit what they wanted. To serve their agendas. And when they wanted to do that, what does Jesus do? He leaves. He's like, no, this is not the place for me. These are not the people for me. Because they want me to serve their agenda. They want me to change their political atmosphere. And Jesus said, he leaves. See, how many of you want to see a move of God? So did the 5,000. They wanted to see a move of God. They wanted to see a move of God that took care of the Romans. But that's not a real move of God. See, in Acts, if you've read Acts, read the whole thing, when revival hits, their political problems get worse. The politicians get worse. Their persecution gets worse. Their religious freedoms go away. And eventually Rome comes in and absolutely destroys Jerusalem. That's what revival can look like. Because the church in Acts said, God, we just want you. Jesus, we want you. We want you to come. And we'll eat your flesh. And we'll drink your blood. See, God, God's looking for a people in a place that says, I will surrender my own agendas. I will put my own agendas down. And I will pick up your agenda. He's looking for a people that will eat his flesh and drink his blood. That's where a move of God's coming. And it's already here. It's happening. But unfortunately, the Church of America is looking for an American Messiah. We're looking for a Messiah to come to help us with all our problems. With all of our issues. But the Messiah is looking for people that are willing to lay it all aside. He's looking for people to give all their rights up and to pick up his, what he's going for, what he's wanting. See, the Samaritans got revival because they didn't let something offend them. They could have been offended because it was a Jew. Could have been offended because he said he had living water. They could have been offended because he's saying, I am the son of God. 
but they determined it was more important to experience the Messiah than for him to do something for him. They wanted him. They were willing to sit at his feet for two days and be intimate with him. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to put our agendas aside? Are we willing to put our preferences aside and let Jesus come in and be intimate with him? He's calling us to be intimate with him. He's looking for a people and a place to surrender everything. Not just what's easy to put down. Not just what makes sense. But everything. Will we eat his flesh and drink his blood? Will our agenda be intimacy with the Father? Or will our agenda be intimacy with the Holy Spirit? Will our agenda be to be intimate with Jesus? If I can have the band come up. Are we looking for a Messiah to make us comfortable? Or are we looking for a Messiah that gives us life? What are you hungry for? It really comes down to that. What are you hungry for? Are we hungry for his flesh? Are we hungry for his blood? Or do we want just come in, somebody to come in and take care of our problems? The issues that we have. To make our political system work correctly. He's coming for a bride that solely wants him. See, when you get married... And you're standing at the altar with your bride or groom. You're saying, I only want them. And Jesus throughout history has always been saying, I only want them. I only want you. Are we echoing that back? Are we at the altar with Jesus saying, we only want you? And it might be a little uncomfortable. You might ask for something I really don't want to give up. But he's asking for a people in a place that will say, it's all yours. It's all yours. Because that's where the move of God's coming to. People that are willing to say, Jesus, it's all yours. Everything about me is yours. My life is yours. My decisions are yours. My mind is yours. What I talk about is yours. Who I talk about is yours. How I talk to people about other people is yours. My finances are yours. My children are yours. My family is yours. My rights are yours. Please stand with me.
king is in the room. The Messiah is in the room. And he's asking, will you eat of me? Will you drink of me? Will you lay your life down to pick up my life? Jesus, we... Like the disciples, when you turned to them and said, are you going to leave me too? And their response was, where else are we going to go? Where else are we going to go? You give us life. Your words are life. We don't understand everything. But you give us life. And you are the Messiah. So today, Jesus, we stand before you and say we are not going anywhere. We're going to stay here with you no matter what the cost. No matter what it costs us, we're going to be intimate with you. We're going to eat your flesh and drink your blood because it's about you that you're coming for men and women's hearts that you're coming to sweep across this nation for people's hearts We say, Jesus, mark us like the Samaritan woman. Mark us that you will stop here and dwell here because we want you. Not what you can do for us, but because you are the Messiah. You are the one that gave your life, you are the one that gave your body. And you shed your blood for us. So Jesus, we're here. We're not going anywhere. Move our hearts to fall in love with you again. To fall completely in love with you and only you.
it's time to move them from just being a prophet in your life to give you what you want to being your Savior and Messiah. He's not here just to feed your bellies. He's here to give you eternal life. Jesus wasn't just a great man that was a prophet, but he was the son of God that came and gave his life for you so that you can have eternal life. If you're in this room this morning, you've never met this Jesus. Or you've walked away from him and you need a fresh encounter with him. You want to meet this son of God that came and gave his life. Just encourage you to come down right now. If I can have the ministry team come. But he came for you. To set you free. But he requires it all. He requires it all. That's why the 5,000 left, because they weren't willing to give it all up. Give it all to you. Jesus. Do whatever you want, Jesus. Do whatever you want. It's a dangerous thing to say, but if you're willing to say and live it out, just tell Jesus, do whatever you want to. It will radically change your life. But your life will change. So as we conclude this morning, if you're willing to walk it out, I just want you to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit right now and just say, Jesus, do what you want to do. I will be the one that lets you do what you want to do. So Jesus... We are the people that say, do what you want to do. That we will step out of the way for you to do what you want to do. That when you say for us to do something, we'll do it. And we'll do it immediately. That we'll partner with you so that everyone in this city, in this state, in this nation this world will encounter you. So we say, as the mission, do what you want to do. If you need prayer this morning, if you need healing, 
the healers in the room. Come forward. We have ministers here that would love to pray with you. If you need healing this morning, he's in the room. He's here to heal. You don't have to walk out with it today. He's in the room. The healer's in the room. If you have cancer, we'd love to pray with you. Because Jesus paid the price for it, for your healing. So come forward this morning if you need prayer. But go out this week and be intimate with Jesus. Learn how to eat his flesh and drink his blood. It'll radically change your life. And then love on the world around you. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week. Come, get prayer. Don't leave with things you don't want to leave with. Oh, man.